Hello and welcome to the February 5th, 2019, 100th episode of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it is always wonderful to be out there with you as well. We are now on our 100th episode of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Very, very exciting to have everybody here with me today. Um, Obviously, guys, that was not real at all. (laughs) Kind of ridiculous. Uh, But I figured I've been waiting a long time to do that one. Believe it or not, I got lots of effects here. Uh, I choose not to utilize them for the most part. But I said, you know what? Let's save that effect for the 100th episode. And here we are. And I have to tell you, I have literally been racking my brains out over the last couple of days trying to figure out exactly what I am going to do for this 100th episode. It's supposed to be special. It's supposed to be significant. It's supposed to be informative. It's supposed to be a reflection of everything that we've gone over and through throughout the course of the last year and a few months, as a matter of fact. And to be honest with you all, I really don't know what to do (laughs) other than to make this episode, the 100th episode, about the most important thing, essentially, that we've been discussing over the last year and change, and that most important thing happens to be you out there. And I cannot begin to tell you how happy I am to be on this podcast for as long as that I've been, to get the feedback that I've gotten, to develop the amount of relationships that I've developed, whether or not we see each other in the flesh. It just goes to show you that even us bipolar people who, um, when we are hypomanic or manic for that matter, and we're so interested in seeing who the other person is, other person happens to be, especially when it's of the opposite sex. Um, we're capable of developing relationships based on the simple fact that we need each other from an emotional and health supportive standpoint. And I think that's really awesome. So not only am I grateful for you out there, whether or not you're grateful for me is really not the point today. The point is all about you and how important it is for uh, me to know that you're out there and that uh, you are allowing me to be in your lives. And, and ultimately, I'm here to thank you on this 100th episode, to thank you for allowing me into your home, into your ear, onto your mobile device, onto whatever particular piece of equipment that you might listen to me. And again, I'd like this episode to be all about you, but following the same, I guess you could call it template that Mr. Joe has always followed. Obviously, we can't talk about you without talking about me because of the fact that we are so incredibly connected in what we 
considered to be, I don't want to use the word identical, but very similar symptoms in terms of the way that we function throughout our everyday lives. And um, let's put it this way. What we have learned over the last year is that without a shadow of a doubt, there is a great number of people out in that world or this world with a mental illness. And while I always knew that, and it's one of the reasons why I decided to start a podcast to support those who really don't have the support of others and they're dealing with a mental illness or for those that have a loved one that has a mental illness and they're not really sure how to take some of the actions and some of the words that might be utilized throughout the course of a relationship and whether or not somebody really means it, whether or not somebody really feels it, whether or not somebody is in love with you, whether or not somebody hates you, and whether or not you who are involved with a significant other who might have a mental illness if you should really pursue or continue the relationship you have with this person because sometimes it can be so devastating and so detrimental and people with bipolar disorder can oftentimes treat the ones that they are closest to and the ones that they love the most with unfortunately the most disrespect and the most anger that they would treat anybody such as someone like myself who has lashed out at my wife, at my mother, at um, even my sister, for that matter. I've had moments in which my hypomania or my mania, in which it kind of tipped over into that irritable level, I still recall a situation in which I completely misconstrued a situation in which my sister had invited me to a birthday party that took place at a restaurant. Now, I'm going back several years ago. It was for my nephew. And I got to tell you, the scene that I made at this particular restaurant was so outlandish and absurd. And I developed in my head before I had even sat down that nobody at the table wanted me there. How I came up with that, I don't know, but possibly because it was... um, you know, her her husband's quote-unquote family. And I was too ignorant at the time to recognize the simple fact that even though it was her husband's family, that should be considered an extension of her family. And technically, we're all one family. But yet, I was too blinded by my bipolar and by my anger and by my irritability and my um, irrational decision to stay off medication, ultimately behaving the way that I did. And I never ate that night. I just walked out and I was angry and I was miserable. And uh, I don't think it's anything that me and my sister really ever discussed, to be honest with you. But as I've said many, many times, there was a, a period in my life for an extensive amount of time, years and years and years, that uh, I continued to say, not only to myself, but to others that I loved, that I don't have bipolar disorder. And most of you out there who are either recognizing the fact that you now have bipolar disorder or still unsure as to whether or not you actually have this mental illness, the truth of the matter is my experiences in life, whether they were... During the time frame in which I knew I had bipolar or during the time frame in which I refused to admit I had bipolar disorder, all of those times are essential and significant 
in terms of allowing my audience to recognize where they stand in their life right now. Because the truth of the matter is, even though we are medicated and still have bipolar disorder, obviously, to some extent we're always going to behave the way that we behave when we're unmedicated, just to a lower degree, to a lesser intensity level, hopefully in terms of duration and the way that things will last, a significantly less amount of time. But for the most part, we never forget the situations that we've put ourselves in, the behavior that we've engaged in, the outlandish things that we have done throughout the period of our lives. Um, And again, many of us, while we're going through it, if we're unsure about whether we have bipolar disorder or not, we think it's all normal. We think it's all normal. And until I had my very first hospital stay, which many of you can relate to, for many, many years, I always questioned whether or not um, it was a it was a mental illness of the mind or if it was just a simple coke cocaine addiction. And when I originally walked out of that hospital for the first time, I was convinced, completely convinced that I had absolutely no mental illness. And it was simply just the drugs and it was a, a transitional point in my life in which um, I discovered drugs at a relatively later stage in my life, other than marijuana. And the simple solution, in my mind, to tame the rapid changing emotions that I was experiencing was very simple. The solution was I just needed to stop doing drugs. But... The medications that I were that I was on after I came out of the hospital, I was also fooled by the fact of thinking that whatever medications were prescribed to me, that was going to, going to stop me from wanting to do drugs. It was going to give me essentially the the high that I was looking for, basically through pharmaceutical or psychotropic drugs. And I quickly started to realize that those pharmaceutical and uh, drugs would actually never help my addiction. And we come up with this common um, phrase, although it will be considered by some to be extremely cliche, it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And one of the questions that we always ask ourselves with bipolar disorder for those of us that are struggling with a drug addiction is really what has come first? Were we addicted to drugs? And because we are addicted to drugs, um, we ultimately caused emotional distress in our brains, ultimately leading to ups and downs. Or, because we were experiencing those ups and downs without the use of illegal substances, did we reach for those drugs to try to help our brain chemistry survive? And a lot of times it's a mixture of both. In Mr. Joe's situation, I think it was evidently clear that for many, many years, at least from the time that I was little, and little meaning like fourth grade and maybe even beforehand, um, I lived with a mental illness, one of which I thought was not a mental illness, 
and thought it was just normal, normal to hear things and see things. And I thought everybody around me more or less did. Uh, there was a time when I was embarrassed by it. And ultimately, looking back now at the age of 43, it's very simple. When you look back and you finally discover medication or a, a regimen of medication that will work for you and make your mind actually function stably, if that's a word, when you look back, it's very easy to recognize that you were simply trying to manage your symptoms. And whether you were manic, whether you were depressed, you would reach for different illegal substances to try to get you up and try to bring you back down. And for Mr. Joe, unfortunately, even though I had stopped using illegal substances after my hospital stay, I um, continued to use marijuana, which still is considered illegal in many, many states. And um, unfortunately, my medicines that I was on and something else that my audience can absolutely relate to, they just simply didn't work. They either put me into more mania, made me more depressed, made me more paranoid, came with horrific side effects. Uh, this went on for four years, four years in which I would go to a psychiatrist and you know, let them know, no, the Depakote doesn't seem to be working, so they'd increase it, and then I'd get depressed, I'd go back in and say, now I'm sad, so they would bump me up in my Cymbalta, and I'd come back and come back home and be up for three days because now my antidepressant was too high, uh, feeling great, but little did I know that I was going to come down crashing hard, then all of a sudden suffering from anxiety, going back to my doctor, and they won't give me what I need based on the simple fact that I am an addict, and they give me Vistarol, and I can't even keep my eyes open. So from that point on, I go to Boost Bar and they tell me, oh, Mr. Joe, this works great. Take it two times a day. Yes, it did. But ultimately, um, it was just a round robin of medicines, trial and error. But getting in so deep into that medication regimen, mainly with the disbelief for the most part, overall thinking that I really never had bipolar disorder. I was just trying to manage drug addiction. And when you try to do that, none of it works. None of it works. You know, you're really just, you're really not concentrating on what you need as an individual. And especially when you continuously use illegal substances. In my case, and I've talked about it many, many times, I manage my moods through marijuana regardless of what pharmaceutical medication that I was on. And uh, unfortunately for Mr. Joe and many of us out there, um, self-medication such as marijuana and alcohol simply just doesn't work and it catches up with us. And the truth is, for those of you that believe that it is working for you, it might be right now temporarily working for you, but in the end, unfortunately, it's going to stop working. And until you hit that rock bottom that we've talked about so many times before, um, you know, we're never going to really figure out whether or not where to go and what to do with our lives. And even then, once we hit rock bottom, sometimes uh, we think it's our rock bottom and it really isn't. And in trying to decipher other reasons as to why I made this podcast for you, 
Well, if I was to add one more really significant reason, other than the fact that so many of us question what we have in terms of our mental illness and never really get a true answer, and live in this state of disarray, saying to themselves, is what I do normal? Well, the other thing that I wanted to address throughout the last 99 episodes was so many of you in my audience, you have terrible side effects from medication. And again, four years on and off for me because of those side effects. And so many of us eventually just give up using what we're using. We give up on the medications that have been prescribed to us because we tend to think that the um, the bad side effects outweigh the benefits of the good ones and, and the good results that we will oftentimes have from our medication. We don't give it long enough to work. And you know what? I can't blame you. I get it. I get it because you want to know something? So many of us feel a certain way before we start our medication. And we have these high hopes that once we take this pill, things are just going to change overnight. And when they don't, and in some situations they get even worse, creates a tremendous amount of anxiety in of us, inside of us. And, and ultimately we end up coming off those medications and spend a large portion of our time just trying different things until hopefully one day we find the right combination. And the sad reality of this in terms of Mr. Joe's discovery of bipolar disorder is if I've been having symptoms since the age of, let's say, five, I'm now 43. So at the age of 42, I finally discovered I had bipolar disorder, which is a little bit later in life which I believe is what makes this podcast so powerful because had I been reporting on what I was going through at the ages of 26 and 32 and 35 and even 38, I think a lot of the information that I projected out there to my audience would be misinformation, would be even more opinionated than what I present to my audience right now because the truth is, I would never have a true understanding of myself. And until I became 42 years old, and as I've said many, many times before, slamming my head into a wall and cutting my arms up. And again, guys, this is not, that, that situation was not necessarily anything new. I had, I had injured myself many, many times before that. The difference is I never really had the ability to step back and look at what my behaviors were in the moment. I always was under this false impression that I was acting the way that I was acting based on somebody else, somebody else's um, torture uh, towards me. I always perceived everybody to be torturing me and against me and everybody was always wrong and Mr. Joe was always right. Um, and until I really cleared my system of all the medications that I was on, believe it or not, started to taper down off Suboxone and recognize that that was actually acting as an antidepressant for me as well, until I tapered off all of that stuff, that was when I finally realized that, um, you know, I had bipolar disorder. I had a severe, severe mental illness, severe mental condition, 
And in order for me to prevent myself from going through the exact same things that I went through with my two older children over a decade ago with my quote-unquote newer children, I was going to have to fix things because I was headed down the exact same path that I was headed down when I was 28, 29, 30. And the other interesting thing is looking back on all of this, it is not by chance that my worst symptoms and the worst times in my life used to occur centered around stressful situation. And whether that was buying a home, whether that was having children, whether that was work, whatever the case may be, anything that added more stress into my life ultimately and even though it may not have been of that, that there in the moment, ultimately, very shortly after, led to severe mood swings. And it was, again, so easy for me to look at the situation and say to myself, well, that's why I am the way that I am. And little did I know that, for the most part, the typical average person in this world would be able to handle those stressful things much easier and in a much different way than Mr. Joe was able to handle them. And the way Mr. Mr. Joe handled them was... You know, either going to a doctor and adjusting my medication, medications that simply were not working to begin with, but again, had me fooled into making me believe that they were preventing me from doing illicit drugs. Um, I had to either control my moods through illicit drugs, or I simply came off medications and I was completely oblivious to the world around me. And as I've said so many times in the past, everybody was wrong and Mr. Joe was right. And um, basically all along, I was bipolar. And I've mentioned many times also that Suboxone ultimately is what I utilized on two different occasions to really treat the bipolar symptoms. Um, and, you know, we've talked about that in the past as well. Obviously, the, um, the, uh, the downfalls of my Suboxone treatment, how difficult it was for me to battle through those withdrawals, how important it is for you as an audience to listen to my experiences with Suboxone and determine whether or not it's the best thing for us to for for me to do or for you to do in terms of your um sobriety um but ultimately i knew i knew that i needed to do this in my heart and the unfortunate truth is is not enough of us out there in the audience actually do know that in order for our lives to improve, we need to get treatment. And that treatment is a combination of so many things. It's a combination of maintaining whatever support system that you might have left, because believe me, it would, it would not be uncommon for many of our loved ones to leave us, especially in our hypo, uh, in our most manic of situations. We need to find the right doctors. We need to find the right therapist that we can talk to. We need to find the right 
um, I guess you could call the right coping mechanisms, much of which Mr. Joe still struggles with to this day in terms of how to deal with my stress and anxiety. I could sit here and advise and advise and advise, but in order for me to function in this world, I have to take my own advice. So again, I ultimately, at the age of 42, knew what needed to be done in my heart, but the unfortunate thing is, again, not enough of us out there actually know what it takes to get well. And that does not make us wrong, does not make us different. As a matter of fact, it makes us all pretty much the same because really none of us know where the hell we are in life when we are going through our worst bipolar symptoms. And I will say a thousand times, the only way that I was able to figure this all out was to come off everything, which, again, I truly didn't do until I came off the marijuana and tapered down off the Suboxone. But once all those substances were gone, once everything cleared out of my system, it was a whole different ballgame whole different ball game because then it allowed me to see me for who I really was. Now, a lot of this came with age. So for those of you who are still young, still unsure what you're going through and whether or not Mr. Joe's experiences match yours and whether or not you and I share the same diagnosis, if for those of you who are still wondering whether or not you have bipolar disorder, believe me when I tell you with age will come recognition. Whether or not you are or you aren't, with age, you will start to recognize what you need to do to determine your mental illness. Ultimately, <laughs> the truth is, I was advised by a complete moron many, many years back that I don't need meds to deal with my bipolar disorder. That bipolar disorder can simply be treated through some psychotherapy, some healthy eating, some good meditation, and learning new coping mechanisms and how to handle anxiety and stress. And as long as I could follow through on all of those things, I will never, ever have a mood swing again. Well, Stayed off medications for a long time, lived a life in which I thought was normal, grateful of the fact that I was no longer falling asleep at the wheel, no longer sleeping in my bed for weeks on end, but all along experiencing those manic episodes that I had essentially experienced my entire life. And if you really want to know the truth, I believe that I was in a, a period of mania, especially with my my wife, who I am married to now, at the time, my girlfriend, I was in a period of hypomania for about four or five years. Thinking, again, that everything around me was wrong and I was right. Didn't matter. Remembering those words from the dummy who told me that I could manage bipolar disorder without medication. Continued to smoke pot. Continued to falsify my thought process. Until ultimately, I ended up in a room smashing my head against the wall. And it just seemed so, 
you know, when I did that, I and you want to know, guys, why I speak of that so often. I speak of that because that was the very first time in a new environment, in a new home, with a new family, that I took my bipolar disorder to that level. And at that point in time, I recognized, didn't matter where I drove to, didn't matter who I lived with, didn't matter who my partner was, didn't matter what my children's names were, didn't matter. Because ultimately, my bipolar disorder led me back to the exact same situation that I had found myself in so many times before that. And that was pain. That was mental pain compounded by acts of physical aggression and self-injurious behavior to myself, verbal destruction and verbal intimidation towards people that I love and care about, only to regret it a short time afterwards and cry, to finally recognize that not being able to function in the morning hours was a little bit deeper than just having a poor night's sleep. It's really what it comes down to. And ultimately, determining that a person who could steal, who could do drugs, with no regard for his children, for his family, could cheat on women, could cheat on your wife, not care about work consequences, end up with bankruptcy, drive places in which I didn't even know where I was going, end up places that I had no idea I even knew how to get to, live with jealousy and paranoia and placing blame and raging and destruction and hurting walls and hurting my fist as I punched through walls and ending up in hospital after hospital, whether it be for mental health reasons or for physical reasons such as me breaking a thumb because I decided to punch a wall. All of these things, I recognized that no matter where I was, where I lived, and who I lived with, none of them went away. didn't matter where I went to. So when I finally realized that I was in this new environment, in this new home, starting this new life, yet I was still acting the exact same way that I acted before, I finally woke up and realized and said, wait a second, maybe this is not to blame on others. Maybe this is, maybe this is not my mom. Maybe this is not my friend's attitude. Maybe this is not my wife. <laughs> maybe this is not my kids. Maybe this is all just Mr. Joe being unable to manage his moods, his emotions, and ultimately recognizing that I had bipolar disorder. And man, oh man, did it take a lot for me to get there, which is ultimately, again, why this podcast has been made. It has been made for you, my audience, to learn from my mistakes, to listen to my stories, to compare them to your own, to figure out whether or not you've done the same things in your life for the same reasons that I have, sometimes without even knowing what those reasons are. I'm not a doctor, guys. I'm far from it. I'm not allowed to write out prescriptions. People have referred to me as Dr. Joe in the past. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not somebody who can actually write out prescriptions for others. 
And uh, the only thing that I could provide you with is my experience and my knowledge as a real person who has experienced real things, who doesn't just look at side effects and symptoms and actions out of a textbook and can give it to you straight, can give it to you real. And that's, that's essentially why we're 100 episodes in. We're 100 episodes in because of you. Because there is one goal that I have in mind, and I know it's not going to be possible to help you all, but damn it, man, if I could help just one of you out there, then I consider my podcast and my job a success. I really do. I really do. And let me tell you something else. There is going to come a time, I believe in my heart, that Mr. Joe is going to probably step away from what I do for a living. And ultimately, my, my goal is, and this may be the bipolar talking, because many of us have these dreams and aspirations that oftentimes don't make sense, and I brought it up a million times. Mr. Joe thought he was going to be a novelist, a baseball player, a singer, um, a rapper. I mean, all these things, you know, depending on how hypomanic I was in my car, my God, you would think that I was preparing for a concert. As I drove down the highway with my windows open and me bopping my head and singing my song so everybody could see me as they drove by me right next to me because I thought that I was going to be the bomb that night. <laughs> Little did I know that I had these false impressions of what I was capable of doing and um, what I was realistically able to do. But I do believe in my heart that one day I'm going to step away from doing what I do um, as a whole. And I don't mean, what I mean by that is I will not spend my entire life dedicated to autism the way that I am. I'll never lose my passion for it. But ultimately, what I believe I'm going to do is make that a part time job. And my full time job is going to be addressing my bipolar audience. I really believe that. Now, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you all to remain listeners. I'm going to need definitely some more reviews out there. Um, You know, I've asked many, many times for it. I don't harp on it, but I'll say it one more time. If you could write me up a review on Apple or something along those lines, it seems like everybody seems to look at Apple for those reviews. The longer we stay in this business, guys, the, the more I'm going to have to consider releasing my identity. And I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. But the bigger we get and the better this gets, my ultimate goal is to make my job solely based on helping those with mental health problems such as bipolar disorder. I don't care if it turns into me hosting a live show of some sort. But, you know, like why, why don't we have some kind of a radio broadcast or, or, or an, a, a satellite broadcast where somebody could sit on, on air all day for four hours at a clip or eight hours or however long a, a radio session lasts for and address the bipolar community and the mental health community. Why? Why can't we have that? We could all sit and laugh to certain shows. We could sit and laugh or listen sorry, to or analyze to sports shows on the radio, why in the world don't we have a mental health show? Not just a podcast that we have to wait for it to 
actually come out and download. Why on earth can't we just have a nice show? And, and ultimately, that is what Mr. Joe's main goal is here, is down the line, I'd like to be able to do something like that. But unfortunately, in order for me to get out there and do something, I need exposure. And the only way I can gain exposure is through my audience. So um, work with me on that. You know, it might take another 300 episodes for us to get there, but eventually I'd like to get there so we can extend this family um, and make it an everyday kind of thing. So... um, other than that, everybody, you know, I said I wasn't going to report on myself, so I'm not. Other than letting you know that I'm actually had quite a uh, stable week for the most part over the last week. I have a lot of work things going on, which has prevented me from getting on here um, as often as I would like. And, you know, it's not an excuse, but tonight they have me doing, um, um, how do I put it, a live video feed for all the entities that I work for and parents out there. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot going on. I work till late now every night. I have nonstop issues with my ex-wife. I have not seen my older children in a long time. But you know what? Ultimately, I'm handling it all. I'm handling it all. I really am. And again, I've said it a million times, that medication, it helps me. Because without it, I would be nothing. Honestly, everybody, without my medication, I consider the simple fact, the reality would be that I would be nothing. As a matter of fact, I believe that if I wasn't on medication, regardless of how much I love my wife and my children, there is a good chance that I would either be in a mental institution or in jail. And that's a topic for a completely another other podcast. We'll get into that at some point. Um because I do believe so many people with mental health issues and mental illness are sitting in a jail cell rotting away when they could be getting the proper help that they need from a psychiatric standpoint. But that does not take away from the simple fact that had Mr. Joe not been medicated and finally discovered that I had bipolar disorder, I would not be here today. You know, I, I left out one of the, the, probably the third thing that Mr. Joe would be, and that would be dead. That would be dead. So over the course of the last hundred episodes, what have we had here? We've had Mr. Joe go through some relapse, whether it be drinking, um, re-examining the use of marijuana, ultimately recognizing that it didn't do a whole lot for Mr. Joe, and recording just about every few days and reporting to my audience about the failure of an implant that, by the way, still hurts me, but I don't care anymore, and it's still there, and I got a tooth, so it is what it is. But an entire 99, or now 100 episodes of Mr. Joe reporting on basically every aspect of my life, trying not to leave out a single solitary thing so that you can compare your life to mine and figure out what is the best course of treatment for your bipolar disorder. What is the best course of treatment for your anxiety? Are the things that you're feeling, are they real? Are they made up in your mind? Are you acting a particular way because the person that you are in love with or that you think you love is the one to blame or is it really you? Have you been dating 
a person with bipolar disorder. Hell, even married to a person with bipolar disorder and wondering all along, am I the wrong one? Am I the one that's causing this man or this woman all this pain? Is there a reason why he said he loved me last week and now today he's with another woman or another man? Now, these are all questions that we ask ourselves, and I, I hope to God that over the last hundred episodes I have answered them to some extent. By, by, no, by no means are we even close to done and close to exploring what Mr. Joe has to explore in life. As a matter of fact, you know, for the next hundred episodes, I have a lot of things planned. I have a lot of things that I have not shared with you as an audience that I plan on sharing, and hopefully we can continue to figure out uh, all of our issues together, but again, 100 episodes in, this is all about you, this is all about my audience, um, I thank you so much again for letting me into your lives and allowing Mr. Joe to share with you, I, I thank you for reaching out to me, for asking me questions, for providing comments, we are all over the world, everybody, all over the world, not just the United States, Canada, I mean, Europe, I mean, we're everywhere. We're everywhere, and it's so awesome. It's so awesome to have you guys with me. Now, just so you all know, if I was to address, it's funny because I just looked the other day at some of our podcast statistics, and in terms of the United States, I'd like to let you guys know the first three states that come up on my list in terms of the most listeners. Now, I don't want to label it that as the most bipolar people, <laughs> but in terms of the most listeners that listen to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast from the United States of America, number one with the most listeners is California. Number two is Texas, and number three is New York. So if you fall into one of those three states, uh, you got a lot of people that are joining you, a lot of company, everybody. And then as you go down the list, I, I don't think there's a single state that doesn't have a listener, honestly. At least every state has a listener that listens to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. So, again, I thank you all. Um, this, was, this was a difficult podcast for me because I didn't really know what the hell to say. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I hope that I got my point across. And ultimately, that is how appreciative I am to have you all with me. And um, we'll get back into... Some more educational topics in the next couple of episodes, but for now, I'd like to thank you once again for being a part of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. For those of you that are doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. For those of you who love or care about somebody with a drug addiction or a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And for those of you that are struggling right now, continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day, and I'll see you again real soon.